Introducing the new way to play Daily Fantasy with Jack Market. Jack Market is where Daily Fantasy Sports becomes a stock exchange. Buy and sell shares of players with other users in real time. Make money every hour, every minute, every second of every game. Daily contests are live for the NBA, the PGA, and the NFL. Take control of your fantasy sports experience and download Jack Market now in the App Store. Android coming soon. Tuesday morning check-in on injuries and week one results we'll overreact to in this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone and welcome to Fantasy Football in 15 for Tuesday, September 15th. I am Michael Beller. I am joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR week one now completely in the books. We can turn the page to week two. How you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm absorbing all the things that happened on Sunday. Obviously you get to watch a lot of them as they unfolded and Digging in the cracks, trying to find some things that uh, I didn't see with my own eyes that might be surprising and trying to determine how to act on those things in my leagues. Yeah, well, uh, some of the things that we can talk about here are injury-related. I got a feeling, given that the tenor of this show, of Fantasy Football in 15, is news-focused more than analysis-focused, is going to lead us to a lot of injury discussion on Tuesday morning. I have a feeling that's where we're going to be focusing our attention every Tuesday. It certainly is where we are this first in-season Tuesday episode of Fantasy Football in 15, and we'll start big. Michael Thomas diagnosed with a high ankle sprain, caught just three passes for 17 yards in the Saints' week one win over the Buccaneers. Michael Thomas, as of right now, saying he can play through this injury. It's not too big of a deal, but we know high ankle sprains are a pretty big deal. Even when players are capable of playing through it, it's something that almost always limits uh, what they are able to do, both in terms of usage and how effective they are during that usage. Already complicating factors right off the bat. The Saints play on Monday night football in week two against the Raiders. How are you looking at this situation? I think the move here is to find Traquan Smith on your waiver wire and pick him up because in the event that Thomas can't play, Traquan Smith actually outsnapped Emmanuel Sanders in week one. He'd get a bump without Thomas being available and he's widely available in leagues right now. So I, I think you kind of solve this problem with it being a Monday night game in particular. We're going to have the same problem with Michael Thomas in week two that we had with Cortland Sutton in week one. And having limited options available to replace someone like that makes things extra frustrating. But Thomas is at a level where if he looks like he's going to play, if they don't rule him out going into the weekend, I think you want to at least hold out hope that he's out there. I mean, he's such an elite player you kind of want to push through the injury. If you were a mid-round guy, if we're talking about like wide receiver 20, wide receiver 30, somebody in that cluster, we're not talking about a player in that case that you have to play if he's active. But I feel like with Michael Thomas, if he's active, you have to play him. So now you have to have that fallback option in that Monday night game at the ready. Yeah, I absolutely love that call. I think Traquan Smith getting him as the insurance policy for Michael Thomas is the right way to go. I am totally comfortable burning a roster spot if it means that I get to play Michael Thomas on Monday if we are uncertain of where things are headed for him going into the weekend. Uh, definitely a sort of guy who you want out there. And we just saw this uh, this Panther, this Raiders team get burned for 30 points by the Panthers in Week 1. So it could be a high-scoring affair when the Saints and Raiders get together in Week 2. And if Michael Thomas is able to play, 
even at 80%, you're going to want him in there. Le'Veon Bell, another big injury in week one. He suffered a hamstring injury, left that game early. The Jets lost to the Bills and Adam Gase on Monday saying that this could be something that ultimately costs Bell a couple of weeks here. There's no timetable for the return. Of course, that means that he could still play this week against the 49ers. Obviously, we are still very early in the week. Le'Veon Bell did have a hamstring issue during training camp, so that also complicates matters here a little bit and makes it seem more likely that he misses at least a game or two before we see him back in the field. Wasn't particularly effective before he left the game with the injury. Six carries for 14 yards, caught both of his targets for 32 yards. You look beyond Le'Veon Bell as you are getting busy making your waiver claims later today, and I don't really think there's anyone here that you go after. Maybe a dollar, maybe two dollars as a contingency bid if you miss out on some of the bigger running back names, but you know, Frank Gore carried the ball six times for 24 yards. Josh Adams got a short yardage touchdown, had two carries for eight yards plus that score. LaMichael Pirine was inactive in week one and already could be trending toward that same direction in week two. Maybe I'll throw a dollar at Josh Adams just in case uh, this Le'Veon Bell injury ends up being a little bit more serious than the Jets think it is right now, but I'm probably just staying away from this entirely. Yeah, I'm in the same position as you. I just think they don't have one back who's going to come in and handle all of Le'Veon Bell's functions. It's going to be a timeshare, and it might not be a very efficient timeshare. So you're talking about deep league flex play darts, almost desperation plays in the case of Gore and in the case of Adams. All right, Miles Sanders is being termed day-to-day by the Eagles after missing week one. Very early in the week, uh, if we had to bet, I would at least bet on him playing. Uh, luckily, we will know for sure whether he is out there or not when we are setting our lineups in week two. If he plays for the uh, Eagles, he's obviously playing for you. But what are you doing with Boston Scott if Miles Sanders gets back in the field week two against the Rams? It was one of the biggest disappointments in week one. Nine carries for 35 yards, caught both of his targets for 19 yards in Philly's loss to Washington. Washington. If Miles Sanders plays, do you play Boston Scott? If Miles Sanders doesn't play, or do you play Boston Scott? How are you approaching Scott in week two? No, Scott's definitely not in a week two lineup for me if Miles Sanders is active. I, I think he needs Miles Sanders to be unavailable to be a viable fantasy option. I think the other thing he might need, though, is a better offensive line. We saw Lane Johnson miss the game this week. That was a huge blow for that Eagles line. Washington's good up front. I, I think that's important to point out as well. But when the Eagles were kind of at their offensive peak a few seasons back, part of that was having one of the league's best offensive lines. So you start to break that down a little bit, and things don't look quite the same for this backfield or for this offense as a whole. But yeah, for Boston Scott, he doesn't coexist and have fantasy value in a backfield in which Miles Sanders is active. Easy sit if Miles Sanders plays. I agree with you there. And even if Miles Sanders doesn't, I don't think he is a slam dunk play by any stretch of the imagination. Not like he's uh, getting that much big of a step back if he's getting a step back at all in terms of front four and front seven competition with the Eagles taking on the Rams in week two. We saw what that Rams defense was able to do against an explosive Dallas offense on Sunday night football in week one, holding that group to just 17 points. And that's another team that is dealing with some offensive line issues that could uh, stop what we think is going to be one of the best offenses in the league in its tracks before it is even able to get going. So that is a situation that bears watching. But Boston Scott, I don't think even a slam dunk if Miles Sanders is unable to go would depend on my running back situation. But I would look at him more as a flex sort of guy in that RB25 to RB35 range rather than an RB2. David Njoku going on IR for the Browns. Remember, IR means something a little bit different this year. It just means that he will miss at least the team's next 
three games. He was actually pretty effective. One of the few Browns that you felt good about after uh, the game, if you did start him, probably not very many people started David Njoku, but caught all three of his targets, 450 yards and a touchdown in week one. The Browns lone score going to David Njoku. Austin Hooper, meanwhile, the big money tight end in Cleveland, a total bust in week one. The Browns have a quick turnaround hosting in-state rival Cincinnati on Thursday night football. Austin Hooper, you feeling a little bit better about his chances in week one after, or in week two after what we saw in week one since Njoku is going to be out? Yeah, I think you bump up that target floor quite a bit. I don't know if it makes him a lock to be a top 10 tight end, but it certainly makes me feel a lot better than if David Njoku were out there. So kind of a Short-term opportunity for Hooper to prove that he deserved every dollar of that contract and that he is, in fact, the number one tight end in Cleveland coming off that uh, surprisingly poor performance from the Browns in Week 1. I mean, man, what an ugly, ugly game from that Cleveland team in Week 1. I'm not going to write them totally off. A lot of teams are going to look pretty bad against this Baltimore team this year, but uh, probably not the uh, best evening on Sunday in Cleveland after the 38-6 shellacking that that team took. Devontae Parker, one last injury to talk about here. Uh, rehabbing to start the week, he suffered a hamstring injury, left the Dolphins' loss to the Patriots early. Before leaving, caught all four of his targets, 447 yards. Dolphins get another tough assignment in Week 2, another tough AFC East assignment going up against the Buffalo Bills. Parker, same exact thing we've already talked about with a few of these guys. If he ends up playing for the Dolphins, he plays for you as well, even in that tough matchup against the Bills. My question for you, DVR, if he doesn't play, do you start Preston Williams? Absolutely. If he does play, what do you do with Preston Williams? If Parker goes, Williams, I think, is still viable in full PPR leagues. I think he's the primary slot guy. He's going to be a steady volume play. I'm a little more worried about matchups on the outside against Buffalo, even though that whole secondary is good. Uh, but Preston Williams, to me, is one of those players you kind of wonder, what's the true ceiling? You know, What's his cap? What's the best-case scenario for him in any given week and for this season as a whole? Am I right to lump him in kind of with the Cole Beasley types, guys that because of the volume, you want to play him? Russell Gage kind of popped up to be one of those players in Week mm -hmm. 1. I always feel like this skill set is somewhat easy to find on the waiver wire, and you can often target players who are, un or who are available uh, because of uh, high over-unders and, and just the, the kind of a fluctuating role week in and week out. Maybe Preston Williams has a slightly safer role than someone like Beasley on a week-to-week -week basis, but I don't think that gap is very wide. Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit wider than you do, just because of what we saw from Parker in the eight games that he played last year before, or excuse me, from Williams from the eight games he played last year before tearing his ACL. But I hear what you're saying, and I agree. You're going to be able to find uh, this skill set on the waiver wire. We've got it already uh, this week in a few guys, right? Uh, you mentioned Russell Gage going for nine catches and 114 yards in the Falcons' loss to the Seahawks. Robbie Anderson, six catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown in the Panthers' loss to the Raiders. There are going to be players like this available to you for a good chunk of the season. I agree. I think Preston Williams an easy play if Parker is out and still viable in full PPR formats if Devontae Parker ends up going. We've got a few more things to touch on on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15, but first a quick word from our sponsors. This is the Athletic Shield Kapadia here to tell you about Liquid IV. Nobody likes to feel dehydrated. Maybe you get a little bit of a headache, dry mouth. You just don't feel like yourself. But believe it or not, dehydration still occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. Maybe you use it after a really intense workout. 
Maybe you went out socially distanced with friends and had a couple extra beers the night before. That's where Liquid IV comes in. It is healthier than those sugary sports drinks, no artificial flavors or preservatives, and less sugar than an apple. Plus, it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. And Liquid IV is on a mission to change the world. Liquid IV is donating 3.7 million servings in response to COVID-19. Products are being donated to hospitals, first responders, food banks, veterans, and active military. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. All right, I'm going to fly through a few quick news items here, Derek, and then we'll get to one more big thing to talk about. Ryan Fitzpatrick, despite his struggles in week one against New England, he will still start in week two. The Colts confirmed Marlon Max torn Achilles, which they feared was the case. So Jonathan Taylor elevated to the starter. Of course, he and Naeem Hines are going to have big, big roles in this offense going forward. There is a workout scheduled for Lamar Miller in Indianapolis, but we don't think that would complicate matters for either Taylor or Hines, even if he does end up signing on the dotted line. So got to be feeling pretty good about those Jonathan Taylor shares, and Naheem Hines should be one of the most popular backs on the waiver wire this week. Blake Jarwin tore his ACL in the Cowboys' loss to the Rams on Sunday night football. So uh, what, someone who was one of the more popular late-round potential breakout tight ends done for the season. Lane Taylor also done for the season, so the Packers lose one of their starting offensive linemen. Last thing I want to get to here, Derek, very familiar refrain in the fantasy football world, one of the easiest pieces of advice to give in week one. Don't overreact. It's just one game. It's just one week, and especially in 2020, it is a bizarre week. But there are some things that are worth overreacting to. I think nine times out of ten, it is true. You don't want to overreact to what you saw in week one. But that one time can be a big diamond in the rough for the rest of the season if you decide that it is worth overreacting to. So what is something you feel comfortable, quote, overreacting to after what you saw in week one? The Browns are a disaster. I, <laughs> I think that was my snap reaction on Monday's show too, but I slept on it and I still feel terrible about it. I know the Ravens' defense is really good. You know, I know there were changes on the coaching staff, but Baker Mayfield has as much talent around him as any quarterback in the league. Like, it, there, sure. There's no excuse for being under five yards per attempt, even against the Ravens, when you have that much talent around you. So it's time to stop making the excuses. I think the other thing that's a disaster about this team is the usage of Nick Chubb. I don't know if that continues week in and week out, but how did Kareem Hunt end up with more carries than Nick Chubb in this game? That doesn't make any sense to me. Chubb still was picking up six yards per carry. I don't know how to fix it, but it's so twisted up and broken that the ceiling is not nearly as high as I once thought it was for this Browns offense. I think if they figure it out, they're closer to a league average offense than a potentially elite one from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, I'm remaining more bullish on this offense than you, but you could definitely end up being the right one. And the one guy who I would already be panicking on in that offense is Nick Chubb. The fact that he got out carried by Kareem Hunt and injury was not a factor would have me very concerned about what his week in, week out 
touch floor is uh, going forward. We already knew the touch ceiling was going to be limited because of Hunt's involvement in the passing game. But if Hunt's getting 13 carries to Chubb's 10 in a game like this, I'm a little worried about what his volume is going to be for the season. I'll be quick here, and I'll say I'll overreact to what we saw out of Malcolm Brown on Sunday Night Football. And this is a big overreaction for me on our Sunday live stream, the Athletic Fantasy Cheat Sheet. Be sure to check that out every Sunday morning starting at 11 a.m. Eastern on our Twitter handle, on our YouTube page, and on our Facebook page. I said that the Rams situation, the Rams backfield, was something we were going to get an answer on for weeks. And now here I am, one game later, saying... I want Malcolm Brown. I want him on all my teams. But if you watch that game, there is no doubt about who looked like the best running back for the Rams. It was Malcolm Brown by a long shot. Cam Akers did get plenty of work in the run game, but Malcolm Brown was just by far the best back for this team, and it showed up in the numbers as well. 18 carries, 79 yards, two touchdowns. Cam Akers got 14 carries. Clearly, they want Cam Akers to be, if not the guy, at least a guy in their offense, but a couple more games like this out of Malcolm Brown, and I don't see how they could possibly make him anything less than you know maybe the 65% guy in that backfield. So I am overreacting. I think Malcolm Brown could be a big steal, not a big steal, but a big winner on your waiver wire this week. That is where I will go with my week one overreaction that maybe won't look like an overreaction here in short order. That's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, anything like that, and you're not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get yourself a subscription for just $1 a month at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For Derek Van Riper, I am Michael Beller. We will be back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day.